0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast with me, your host Yann. How you all doing? Yeah, not so good, Burnley with shit. Anyway, I've got a great guest on today. It's Ollie Harbord from football.london. Superb episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Let's get straight into it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Anacon Chelsea podcast. I am delighted to say I've got a really interesting guest today, Ollie Harbord from um, Football. London, football writer extraordinaire. Ollie, how are you
1: doing, mate? Good evening. I'm very well, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Man, we've got a. Um, Got a lot to talk about today, Oli. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's never quiet with Chelsea, is it? it isn't <laughs> one it? season one season there might be a quiet season, but this yeah. season it has not been at all.
0: No, so we've got a lot to go through. So, I mean I'd like to um plug Ollie's work at the end of the podcast, but for anyone who doesn't know, ollie does a, he writes for a platform called football.london. Um, he attends Chelsea Games and sits in the presses, which is off, um, offers interesting insight, which hopefully we can grill out of him a little bit today. But it's a difficult place to start. The, the listener knows the format of my podcast is a, a relaxed one and it's generally me and a guest shooting the shit and we can go wherever it takes us, Ollie. So if you want to talk about something when I'm talking about something, feel free to butt in and take the <laughs> reins. But let's um, I tell you what, before I get your general thoughts on the coach and the club and the direction and all the difficult questions that I can pose to you, um, the Burnley game. Okay, so yeah, the first question I want to put to you, mate, do you think? Okay, so the, the 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 main thing maybe that was highlighted is zonal marking against a sort of set piece team. But do you think in that game, sorry, had the the general right intentions, right approach, and and do you think also with how? I know he he completely divides opinions between the uh, fans but do you think with how he's changed his lineup and he's done a sort of evolution of his first 11 is he doing the right things and how do you
1: think it went in this game Yeah well, I think I think team-wise there isn't really a lot that you could argue with the way he actually set up his side you know we know that he's going to go for Jorginho in that role um, we know that he's going to go with the 4-3-3 and we know that his, he wants to give Higuain every chance that he can get and and I thought Higuain was actually pretty decent yesterday mm-hmm. so as far as the team setup goes I couldn't really fault it much you know Hudson-Odoi starting I think in those sort of games as well, having that attacking threat of Loftus cheek um, is vital. I think he brings so much extra to it as he showed in the first goal as well, you know, when he brushed off his man and then played oh, it off yeah. to hazard, you know, brilliant strength and attacking ability. So I couldn't actually fault much for the way he set up and the way they went around. Now the zonal marking you, you mentioned there, I hate zonal marking. I have to say mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more old fashioned in the sense of, you know, you get your best headers on their best headers You get them to stick on them. And if then somebody, you know, messes up, then they mess up and you know who to point fingers at. But Mm -hmm. when you see that second goal and you see three players within a blanket of each other Mm. and there's Ashley Barnes, one of the best headers on their team or, you know, one of their best strikers, just standing there completely unmarked from six yards out. And you're going, this isn't right. Why is there nobody on him? Yeah, yeah and also the fact that Ben Mee was able to head the ball across and then Chris Wood was able to head the cross a uh, ball across these are the three best headers on their team mm. and <laughs> none of them were marking it was just bizarre yeah um you know and the thing was Zola said after the game which was probably more worrying he actually said after the game that they had been working on set pieces uh, mm. and they prepared for it they knew what burnley would do um but obviously they didn't prepare well enough and that was that's a bit of a worrying thing um, but as far as team setup went I couldn't fault it much i mean my own my personal query is just what the in-game management um you know it's the like for like replacements and the you know it was it was was it was a must-win game for me I think it kind of was and you know why not why not see what Higuain and Giroud can do up top together Higuain was having a good game He scored a goal you saw how frustrated it was when he come off and that was that was the thing for me the in-game management more than the actual initial setup
0: Mm, okay, it's a good points. So a couple of things to pick up on from that. Uh, yeah, just off the bat, you're right. It would be the sort of quintessential, I guess, supposed say Premier League, but just football manager approach to sort of leave your two strikers on. But I mean, Iguain and Giroud isn't very much like a big man, little man. There's a sort of no. you know, that, that that would be the sort of breakaway of a glacial drip. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly no speed there. I, I, I get why people conventionally would be like two strikers, but in terms of maybe balance and cohesion, I'm not sure, not sure how well that would work. But um, look, on Iguain and Ruben, absolutely agree with you. Ruben loftus cheek he um, he really is like a difference maker in this side. Certainly as he's come in, and um, I think sorry, that's probably one of his biggest flexes. Going, I don't want this type of play in in you know in. He says like, oh, I bring him in because like, it turns out I needed the physical attributes or I needed the thi-. But you know when you see him. so effective, even in like system with how he wants to play, you know, driving forward and literally people bouncing off him. I think he's gone, fuck, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so we'll have a bit of that. But um, I want to get you, I I wasn't at the bridge, I mean, um, on the Burnley game, I would have liked to have gone, well, you know, turns out it was a frustrating evening, but um, (laughs) what did you think of Higuain? Because the goal was great. I mean, I I know he's, he's... Four goals have been against the lower opposition, but they're great goals. You know, they're proper striker mm. goals. Something that we're lacking. And I don't know if you saw a celebration when he buried his face
1: in a <laughs> pair of breasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was quite the celebration. Maybe he was annoyed. That's why he was annoyed. He got taken off because he get, didn't get to do. It yeah, yeah. I time uh, round if he scored the winner. Yeah, he
0: saw her mate. She was <laughs> next. Um, yeah. So what do you what did you think? I mean, for me, he might run out of uh, gas a
1: little bit. Um, how, how do you feel he played generally in that game, Molly? I thought he was better. I thought I, I've not been overly impressed with what I've seen so far. But I thought that there was um, maybe he, he looked like he had a bit of a point to prove. Uh, you know, he came out in midweek and said he's found it quite hard the yeah. criticism. He said before that he that he struggled to adapt to the Premier League, and you know he doesn't have a great amount of time to do it. Let's not forget, a lot no. of players yeah. take a lot of time to to adapt to the Premier League, and he's only got a short window to do it. I just thought I thought there was something. Extra steely in his eye yesterday, and I thought that he was up for it a bit more, especially in the first half. Second half, he struggled to get in the game as much, but he was still trying to put himself about a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, just the point about the two strikers thing, though. I think mean, the only thing I would say about and I completely agree with you about the balance. I, I don't think the, in modern football, the two strikers has kind of gone out the window a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but I just think that, you know, Burnley, they were happy with the point. We were getting to the last 15, 20 minutes i think you could see how deep they were defending they yeah. were pumping balls you Absolutely. know if, you know if, if you're going to start crossing balls into the box which kind of chelsea were left to do mm. then really you, you want those two strikers up there especially the jury but but hey it's not the way sari wants to go i think mm. he's he's more afraid of losing rather than going and get and really pushing and, and getting that win which is you know it's a complete up to him but yeah he went yesterday a little bit better than he has been um still not, you know, the perfect striker, but that finish just shows you the quality he has. You know, yeah. he didn't even look, I was watched it again today, he didn't even look it up. He just, he was on he the ball knew. and he knew where the goal was and he mm. just smashed it in off the bar. And, yeah. and that is something that Chelsea has been missing when it comes to, to Morata and Giroud sometimes and that clinical edge over the last couple of seasons. How hard he hits it as well. Ah, um, oh, so much power.
0: I take <laughs> so the point of what you say, mate. It does make sense because I was thinking in terms of general... Footballing team cohesion, mm. like with the two strikers, but you're right. Oh, it was yeah. it was so deep, low block, and you know why not get a bunch of big geezers with elbows in there. You know, <laughs> yeah. God for you know, God forbid if Alonso was on the bench, just throw him in there and be like yeah. stand in the box, mate. Uh, obviously, that's, that's not sorry at all. But you're you're, nah. you're right. I take the point. Um, and I'll, I'll ask you about players and injuries shortly, but. That first half, I know those two set. I mean that Hendricks volley. I think he's got. I think he did one of those last season. You know, off the laces. Yeah, he's it's, it's got, got some form
1: on it. I, mm. I know. I remember what you're thinking about. It was a yeah. very, very good strike as well. Yeah. To be fair to him. So
0: you know, whatever for that one. I mean, maybe you shouldn't have been left hanging about there, but. Two set B girls. We we could we could go on about Zonal marking. Clearly, it was very poor. But in terms of how Chelsea came out in that first half, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, watching it on the uh, TV coverage, I thought you know, if if this is sorry ball, then great. You know, we got a goal. Kante's, you know got his fifth goal of the season. Four assists. He's you know he's he's getting better and better in that role. And he's we saw him arrive in that position a lot early doors. B wasn't really doing anything, and he's done a couple of good finishes now in that mm. sort of late run. Um, that was a great goal. Yeah, it helps, yeah. yeah, that was a great goal. Higuain's goal was great. There's a few more chances. We were sort of, you know, spinning them round up and down. I mean, how did do you feel the same? Was there a sort of... Um, how did Stamford Bridge feel as well? I want to get your feelings, and how did you think in that first
1: half the stadium reacted to that attack in the first half? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they were... They, I thought the energy was really high. I thought the intensity was good. Um, as it has been in the first half quite a bit, really, that's not really been the issue. It's been the second half that has been the yeah. problem. We made it um, through the first 15 minutes, though, of the second half. That's the window, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that was, that was definitely... And actually, they almost didn't, because Chris Wood went through, and almost, if he got himself a bit all tangled up, yeah, um, I think I it was only about six or seven minutes into the second half, and mm. you're thinking, oh, God, not again. They but, but got overboard, no, didn't they? Yeah, yeah he just yeah. Didn't, couldn't get it out of his feet. But no, I thought the first half, I thought they really... They went at it hard. I thought they... You know, you can keep, you can talk about set pieces, but sometimes it happens. You know, Burnley are very, very good from set pieces. We know that, and Chelsea really aren't that great at the moment. Mm. Um, but I don't know, I thought attacking wise, and, and as far as the fans were, were, I think they appreciated that as well. Um, I think they saw that there was more intent. Mm. Um, you know, especially down the left with that with the Emerson, Loftus, sheet, Hazard sort of link up. It did well, and also Aspeluqueta, I thought, was getting into the game quite well on the yes. right, and he was yeah. crucial in the Higuain yeah, goal
2: uh, in the
1: Higuain goal. Um, mm. And I thought, yeah, and you kind of just thought, you know, take these chances. Did they test Tom Heaton enough? I think he made quite a few saves, but nothing nothing that you sh- you wouldn't expect him to make. I think mm. that's the other thing. Um, and that was probably the, the biggest uh, down of the first half when it came to the attacking front. But I did think, you know, the energy was really up. They really went for it. Mm. Um, they saw the opportunities and, that, and they took a couple of good goals. But you know unfortunately in the second half it just sort of just sort of petered out a little bit and they didn't yeah. really get have any Reverted decent chances yeah. yeah exactly yeah on that on just
0: that you you mentioned the uh goal, the the has um involvement i watched this and no one sort of mentioned it i can't i mean i'll have to watch it back but did he do some wicked little like layoff skill yeah, he
1: did. He yeah, yeah, did, yeah. It was weird. So, so Higuain sort of like did a little turn and the ball went away from him. Aspi just found himself in that position. Yeah. And he did a little, yeah, weird flick, flick that yeah. straight into Higuain's path where he was able to go on and smash it into the corner. And yeah. yeah, you're right. Nobody, honest, I, I didn't pick up on it massively at first. And it wasn't until I really looked at it again today and thought, that was decent. <laughs> yeah, that's that not, yeah, that's decent. not
0: Asby. That, that is definitely not Asby. I, see, no. see like, my thing with Asbio I mean, I love him, he's a sort of proper Chelsea, you know, he was such a consistent performer, but I think the general consensus is, he's not a sorry fullback, maybe, um, mm. you know, I, I, I've said it on the pod, uh, a few times the listeners probably knows what's coming, but I've, I've talked about how in the the win against City at home, he was imperious in that game, like his one-on-one, you know, but that wasn't, you know, sorry's football yeah, per se. Absolutely. That was him locking in and doing one-on-one defending, which actually got worse from there. But yeah, it's nice to see him, you know, doing a bit of that. And if we do indeed endure a transfer ban, and maybe we do bring you know, reach James back as an understudy, but he's still starting in that position. And, you know, you want to see some combinations.
1: Yeah, I think for that point, I think Aspi's the only player now, I think this is right, that he's started every Premier League game. And I think that's more down to lack of choice behind him mm. than it is a lot of the time, his performances. I think, you know, you, knew, you need leaders on the pitch and Aspie's one of them. Um, he is obviously the, the cap, pretty, you know, he's, Gary Cahill's club captain, but really is the captain. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I do. It, it is one of the problem positions for me because I think that, you know, they need to add the balance as well. So, there's so so much threat on the left with with Hazard and mm-hmm. and now Loftus Cheek getting more of a chance. But on the right, sometimes you don't have that option as much.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I, you know, I'd love to see Reece James back next year. I really would. I think he's he's proven. Uh, this year with Wigan, just how good of a player he is. Um, I saw him a lot in the youth team, and and he was superb. But he's also another leader as well. Mm. I mean, this can't. Be, I mean, we talk about you know, you don't have to be an older player to be a leader. Just look at De Ligt at, um, oh, yeah. at Ajax. You know, wow. ninety nine, was he nineteen years old? Nineteen, right? yeah. He, 19. Speaks, he speaks like a thirty-year-old seasoned captain. In, incredible, and yeah. and you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be uh, an older player that is that can make a difference and be the leader. You know, Reece James is is Chelsea through and through. Mm. Um, he was a youth team captain uh, he's won the FA Youth Cup with, with the club he knows mm-hmm. what it's all about um, and so I'd love to see him back in the fold I have to say next season
0: yeah it's a good point Yeah, that, I've had a few people on here who've discussed this I, I chatted to Joe Tweedy a couple of times on the podcast about how um how we're sort of lacking Chelsea-ness, and you know, I tweeted yeah. yesterday, I feel Chelsea are pretty soft now. And I, I looked at someone like City who play or certainly play the football that Chelsea at the moment are aspiring to play, but they do have shithousery in there. You know, they got Walker, yeah. Fernandinho, Walker, the centre-backs, they all know to be a bit, you know, a bit, uh, even Aguero and stuff. Yeah. And we're, and we're all a bit soft at the minute, you know. And um, someone tweeted, uh, I can't remember, forgive me if I, if I, cause I can't remember your name on Twitter, talked about how, you know, both Reese James and someone. Someone like Ampadu looks like, yeah. you know, they might have these sort of hard-ass qualities. You know, R- Ruben's very strong. And like, yeah. you like, know, as you've explained or alluded to earlier, that people do bounce off him and is very strong in the ball. But we need a little bit of the, you know, I'm going to sort of, so, I know it's the modern game and we do want to see expansive football, but a little
1: bit of a touch of the lead in on them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, You need it. I mean, mm. it kind of sums it up a little bit for me that Sari last last night was the first Chelsea man to get sent off this season. Oh my god! Yeah. And that's 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 doesn't seem. I mean, this time last year, I mean, against Burnley in that first game of the season, Chelsea had two men sent off. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying you need to do that. <laughs> no, there are two, there are two extremes. But yeah. I do think that you know there is that sometimes that edge is just lacking. I know Louise has it at times but sometimes when he does that he loses his head a bit yeah um I think Rudiger's got it in him I think he's he's a real leader in mm. the future um well, but yeah it's, it's more that middle of the park for me I think Jorginho's you know a good leader on the ball because he, he positions people he director, moves people around yeah. yeah he's more of a director than a, than a real a leader mm. um so that's one area that I'd like to see improve next year and, and yeah as you say Ampadu He's not afraid to stick his foot in was it uh Jermaine Defoe he crocked last year. Oh, man. Did, against did, Bournemouth.
0: Yeah, he did a couple he did a, he's, he's for Chelsea last year, he did a couple of you know, north of thirty year olds and like you know, like one of, I can't remember if it was Defoe or the other player that name escapes me, you had to come off and he was like, Sorry, sorry yeah. you know, this is when you're seventeen, like, you're right, <laughs> yeah. mate. <laughs> it's
1: yeah, hell, yeah. Man. Overzealous. Yeah. I mean I have gotta say, I don't know about Anthony next season. I think that you know, this year's been slightly frustrating for him. Um obviously he's got the back injury at the moment. And mm. the fact he's hardly played, um, new contract. You no, know, he's, he's a player. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not worried about him really going anywhere. I'm more, I'm more thinking personally that I'd like to see him maybe go out on loan. I have yeah. to say. I mean, as much as I'd like to see him get some first team football. If he's not going to get used, I think it. I'd, it's the worst thing for him to have another season on the bench oh, just of course. sort of wasting away I think mm. that you know get him out on loan get him some senior football under his belt Yeah, um, you know Derby were very keen on it so mm. maybe he can maybe he can get some first team football somewhere
0: very good point and also you know it's nice to see Chelsea are putting academy players like Christensen Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi in, which we can touch on shortly but you know we're, we're not expected to suddenly turn into Ajax and have, no, to, you know, no. have to you know we're still Chelsea we need a bit of that so yeah it, on steeliness and stuff wouldn't it be not? I mean, we can talk in, in part two. We'll talk about sorry, mate. But um, if if no matter what coaches at Chelsea next season, I I don't want personally Lampard or JT to be the coach of Chelsea at the moment until I feel like we can afford their best chance of being successful. Yeah, with, I completely uh, agree. Yeah, I completely agree. With like a fully implemented footballing structure at the club, you know, the, Roman knows if he's staying or going. We've got a football director. Everyone's calmed down, taking a few deep breaths. You know, everything's settled. People are under contract again. Now, bring someone in. You know, like we know yeah. what we're doing a little bit more. But but saying that in the same sentence, no matter who's coaching Chelsea, I'd love JT to be the number two. Because mm. I, I love Zola to death, right? I'm 30 years old. So when I was a little kid and I watched Chelsea, um, granted I stopped watching Chelsea for a few, for a few years in my life, but I did watch him <laughs> when I was a kid and I had like a Zola shirt and, you know, he's the sweetest man ever and I'm sure you'd... um you know you confirm that from speaking yeah, to him and absolutely. stuff but um you know what's he going to do in, in dressing <laughs> with, I, I just feel like JT is a smart guy maybe not as smart as Lamps but you know in situations like these him him doing the half time talks other than um other than sorry I know this this probably sounds a bit fanciful, but you know would you would you agree maybe the the number 2 being a bit more of a hard ass or a bit more of a proper chill I'm not saying Zola's not proper chill but you get where I'm going
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, Zola uh, last season seemed like a shrewd, seemed like a shrewd uh, decision, really. Obviously, Italian speaker knows the club inside out as well from his time there. PR move. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. a little bit to go with this sort of unknown manager, really, that was coming across. Yeah. but also, as well, it was it was slightly telling that you know when the pressure was really on Sari and and you know around that Carabao Cup time and the United defeat in the FA Cup that they were talking about replacements and who it, who it could be and and you know I was told that that Zola really wasn't in the running for it even mm. to be an interim boss you know they were more willing to bring back Steve Holland. Uh, mm. into that role uh, for the rest of the season and then regroup in the summer. Obviously, sorry Sar- came through that. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the summer. And, and obviously, it all depends on where Chelsea finish this year, if they get Champions League football, because it's such a big thing. But yeah, I mean, look, J- JT, he's going to be back at some point, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's going it's to happen. Mm. Um, you know, and especially people are talking about these second-half performances and what does Sarri say in, the se- in you know, at half-time. Half-time, yeah. Um JT would not let him get away with anything. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And he'd be on the sidelines, you know, as much as Sarri probably would. They'd probably be knocking each other over on the sidelines. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, yeah, I would love to see it. But I'm with you. I think that Lampard still, Lampard and Terry both need a little bit more time. Um, You know, even though that they would get more time at Chelsea from the fans and probably from the board to really develop... You know, if things did go badly, if things, you know, if they didn't get into Europe, even in the first season, you know, Champions League, even if they Mm -hmm. struggled to get into the Europa League or something like that, something that, that happens... You know, mm. you really feel like it would be a wasted time rather than give them a little bit more chance to develop, Exactly. hopefully get some more Premier League experience with either Derby, Villa or whatever, mm. and then come into the fold because, it. you know, there's no point rushing it. They will be Chelsea managers or system managers at some point. I can, I'm can. i pretty sure of that. Put
0: your bottom dollar on it. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I feel like with Lampard, Lampard, I mean, I love JT for what he could do for the team, but in terms mm. of potential managerial greatness, I think Lamps is super smart. He's a, you know, he's very... Very, very. I watched his first few derby presses, and you know, he's very measured, handled himself very, very well. And for, for me, Lampard's the ace up the sleeve. Um, you know, whether it's Jody Morris that comes with him, or you know, JT, so that's. Want, you know one
1: Yeah, know. yeah I mean his name as well Jody Morris he's, there's no you can't deny he is an absolutely superb coach as well and mm. he knows He obviously he's another Chelsea man through and through he mm. knows he knows the club inside out and having watched his under 18 teams a few times
2: mm. or quite
1: a few times over those years I mean they placed some I mean I know they're different they're a different, level different level to a lot other teams, but they, you know, they would play some superb football, <laughs> absolutely yeah, superb. Absolutely. And he, you know, he he he'd work very very well with Lampard
0: as he's sort of showing at Derby at the moment. Yeah. I went to the um the Chelsea Derby game at the Bridge, and that was a surreal experience. But being, yeah, having like everyone sing his name, you know, it was a, yeah, absolutely, it's odd. Um, all right, so. Okay, so this game or current current uh, happenings at Chelsea, um it, thankfully it looks like Kante's injury isn't serious. He like he was he winded or something when he came off in that game?
1: Yeah, Zola said that he had like a contu- contusion on his I can't even say the word, but on his yeah. ribs. So it wasn't anything particularly serious, it was more of just the blow to his, his ribs and the, mm-hmm. um it, that he couldn't breathe properly. Yeah. Um needed to so,
0: regulate and have a yeah so, yeah,
1: so they thought, you know, it was best to to, to kind of give him the second half off off mm. um which is fair enough you know you, you want him back for that united game if he missed the end of the season as well then then that would be awful but no it seems mm. like he should be he should be okay we'll find out more on friday with the press conference but it seems like he should be okay same with, same uh, with ruben who had a little hobble at one point yeah i think that was again just another knock he he sort of came through it didn't seem to be much issue you know he got through the game so i would have thought that he'd be okay as well um going into the weekend
0: Okay, that's good news. Um, so, let's have a little chat on hudson Adoy, mate. Um, heartbreaking, really, because mm. um, if you look at the collective narrative of this kid being very brave, uh, you know, with the transfer request, wanting to play football, believing in himself, but not being a dickhead about it. There is, if you know, I'm sure you know better than I or most of the listeners, uh, people who have been around him, he is very dedicated, hardworking and um, respectful by all accounts. You know, sorry's said a few times he's a good boy and all this... Peer, you know um senior sort of peers in Hazard William and you know all those people they speak so highly of him and and talk about how how much of a good kid he is so he he sort of did everything right to get himself in the position where he was and he was performing and um just sort of heartbreak really to have that kind of injury and, and not just for Chelsea for England because i i you could almost guarantee he was going to feature in the nations league um finals in the
1: summer don't you think yeah. I mean, he definitely would have been part of the squad. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that he showed, he showed, you know, Gareth Southgate doesn't often, he sort of sees things on, on his own and he, he saw what he did for him out there in, in Montenegro and also, you know, just around the training ground. And so mm. he saw that and, and he would definitely have been at least in those squads for the, for the two games out in there. I, it's just a real, I mean, it's one of those injuries that you just can't do anything about. Like mm. you just, it's you can't blame anyone for it. It's just a com- Completely bad luck, mm. um, you know, and, it, and it now it's, uh, you know, it's, it's done him for the season. He will hopefully be back at the beginning of the season, hopefully as well, in a Chelsea shirt, obviously.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and, yeah, he's worked really hard to get into that role. He's had to prove that he can do both sides of the of the pitch as well, not just the going forward. He had to, to pr- improve, you know, defensively. Mm. I'd say the shame for him is that he hasn't, I don't think he's quite shown exactly what he can do in the Premier League yet. Um, you know, he showed how good he was in the League Cup and, and, the, Europa. and sort of the Europa League as well. Mm. Um, you know, and he showed real glimpses in the Premier League. But he was just getting that run of games under his belt now where he, he's, he could really show what he was going to do. Mm. Um, and it's just a shame that, unfortunately, that's cut short and we're going to have to wait and see what he can do next season now. Yeah, it can be a long time, I think. It I can be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of see the amount of... of um, you were talking there about how he's respected as well. You can see the amount of... men he's had from teammates not just Chelsea mates but you know people like Rian Brewster who himself went through a really difficult injury as well recently mm. um, you know it can be a difficult time especially for a young player who all they want to do is just go out and play Yeah, um, and you know worry about you know he could be worried about the fact that Pulisic is coming over and whether that might what that might mean for him and, mm. and everything like that and you know, it's it's about for him just you know making sure that he re- rehabilitates properly and and that he can just get back at full fitness. Mm,
0: yeah, you're right. There are loads of people, I think even Sterling tweeted about it as well. Which is nice yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, uh, champions. Um, yeah, so just on that as well, I'm quite confident um, about Hudson odoi and his forward uh, going forward and potentially staying at Chelsea purely because I feel like um, I'm not very confident about Hazard, and we can we can pick up on that um, in part two, Ollie. But with Hudson odoi I think sorry said, you know he, he will stay next season one way or another because you know you've got the ban and um and uh, whatever you know they'd probably rather run down his contract than Hazard's uh, in terms of monetary value. Um, but the fans are singing his name all the time. He's um he's celebrating with his teammates. He's looking happy as Larry that he's a excuse me, that he's playing in these games and when he did score his goals, you know, he's, he's doing the whole dreams come true, you know, parent club or club that I grew up at um, and it just seems like this sort of mutual love between him and the club are there and he, he's become a starter. He's, he became the first choice in that 11th, fourth consecutive Premier League starter and, you know, he saves him for the big games now. I feel like this is all he wanted maybe now he trusts the club for that and, possibly I know this sounds awful but maybe the injury uh, somehow helps his the fans odds chances for him staying how do you feel about all that mate
1: yeah I mean you're right it doesn't it doesn't sound great but that's the truth of it when Mm. it comes to injuries and things like that at this time of the season when a team like you know Bayern Munich who were still keen on him Mm. um going into the summer whether they would be willing to risk it uh um still i don't i don't know a lot of times you know injuries pop up and, and teams sort of turn away then
2: mm. um
1: which is you know it's a really sad thing to say but that's sort of the truth of football these days um mm. i actually I, yeah, i think they, they were i think chelsea were growing slightly more qu- uh, confident that they could keep him uh, mm. just because of the way as you say the last sort of few weeks ago the fact he's played sort of so many more premier league games um he's getting his chances um you know, even when he's on this on the bench and he's still he's still coming on and things like that, he is getting those chances and he sees a pathway there. Mm. You know, I always I always believed that there was a pathway for him. but even you know, the beginning of the season, it was just a matter of time. I mean, we've got we're talking about players here like Hazard, who, you know, as we said we'll talk about later, but is is looking likely to leave. Mm. You know, Pedro's what 31, William's sort of 30 odds, 31 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both with contracts running out in 2020. You know, his time would come. Um, it's just you know, Jane Sancho and his move to Borussia Dortmund has opened up a completely complete mm-hmm. can of worms for these players that know that they can go somewhere and get first team football and
0: then get rather called than up on the England. bench. Yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, and, and fair play to Sancho, he's, he's done an unbelievable job. Um, mm. But I do, I always thought there was a pathway for Hudson and I do believe now that there's a there's a feeling that they that they can they can keep hold of him more they will offer him a new contract they have been offering him a new contract but they might offer him even more money as well yeah. to keep him to be a starter um, now a star- exactly, starter yeah. contract yeah Just, yeah exactly yeah no no longer one of the kids you know mm. one of the starters now so mm. you know i hope i'm hoping as well that we'll see him because i think he's got a fantastic future ahead of him and and if he can, you know, after this injury, stay as injury free as possible, then, then you know, the world is 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 at his feet,
0: really. Yeah, and on that, a few things um, with Bayern Munich as well. Gnabry has suddenly decided to become amazing as well, which you know <laughs> yeah, they're going to be looking we... at him, like you know, uh, and he's going to think, you know, next season. He could be starting on his native left wing side, Pulisic on the his more native right wing side, and then you know we've got the old boys for rotation. Um, so you know, well, that, great, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that could be yeah, perfect absolutely. for him. And um, yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm pretty confident, really. I I feel like it he will stay. I don't want to curse it, but I I also think just to finish on it, really, is that people were giving Chelsea shit about when he was doing this ju- before he became this um. You know, Premier League starter. He's probably the young, apart from like Ryan Sessegnon, maybe the youngest starting eleven player in the Premier
1: League now. You know, how old's Bazaka yeah. He's got being a year twenty years. Yeah, right? he's he's a bit older. Yeah, David Brooks obviously is he's done well at uh, Bournemouth. But yeah, he's a bit older as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. As as, far as as far as sort of being part of a squad um you know Hudson-Odoi is up there um mm. obviously assessing on as well but sure. you know we're talking about a different a, a level sort of different level of, yeah. of club yeah absolutely but
0: you know let's get again like if Conte and Jose wouldn't be playing hudson no <laughs> Jose no. wouldn't be playing Ruben Loftus-Cheek um the, the 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 thing is like if sorry plucked sorry said pre-season I want him to stay with me you know and um I don't you know I want him to be around the club and if he if he just got these uh Europa League minutes starts at the beginning, sub appearances towards the end. That would probably have been great, but the fact how the narrative fed into it, um, it wasn't enough. But regardless, the way it all panned out, it has apart from his injury, God bless him, it has it has panned out really good for him. Hopefully, you know, God,
1: God forbid, he might even get the bloody.
0: Number ten shirt. Do you know what I mean? That would be yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that'll be part of the enticement, I think, yeah. to, uh, to try and part of the contract if it yeah, does well. go. No doubt.
0: And, and and what Chelsea fan would be angry at that? Do you know what no, I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So that's that's a good part to um, a place to end on. Part one. Part two. We'll we'll pick up with the the current number ten and look forward um, just generally uh, Chelsea in the future. <laughs> Aha. You're expecting part two straight away. It's coming in just a few seconds. I just wanted to take this opportunity to plug to you, the listener, my YouTube channel now. It's not just Chelsea-based. It's all football. It's Jan the Statman. So, you know what? If you want to check out some YouTube content by yours truly and see my beautiful face, uh, yeah, go and check out Jan the Statman on YouTube. And, you know what? Subscribe. Give me a like there'll be a lot of Chelsea stuff on there, but loads of other stuff on there from around world football. Anyway, part two. Okay, welcome back to the Anacon Chelsea podcast. I'm still talking Chelsea with Ollie. We've just um, finished part one talking about Callum Hudson-Odoi and, you know, the sad truth of his injury, but looking uh, quite positively about maybe a long-term future with Chelsea. And on that, is, an, is a more sombre uh, segue to maybe Chelsea's most talented player Eden Hazard um, Ollie in that game, I was pulling up the stats against the, at the Burnley game he he had some pretty immac- immaculate stats in that game, I know yeah. he got the assist, but you know, he'd like Eight out of eight switches of play. Um, he completed all of his dribbles. One like most of his jewels. Uh, he made like four key passes, which is you know twice as much as any other player on the pitch. And you know, two or three key passes in the game is pretty good, but four is pretty um pretty impressive. So, you know, uh, most goal contributions in the Premier League his best ever season for Chelsea in terms of offensive output, considering he's surrounded by. a... What could be deemed a sinking ship in many ways? <laughs> he's yeah. uh, it's kind of I kind of feel bad for him how he's doing his best performance maybe ever for Chelsea, and it's maybe arguably the worst team
1: around him since he's been at the club. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, it's not. Um, it, it's like he's had to carry the burden on his shoulders more than more than ever before, really. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think Sarri is giving him. A bit more freedom to just go and play. I think that that's that's mm. helped him in in some respects. Um, you know, I, I remember back at the beginning of the season where Sarri stated that he wanted him to score 40 goals this season. I don't yeah. think that was ever. I don't think that was ever realistic. Back, back in that's, the day when Marcus yeah. Alonso was the best left yeah, back in Europe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it might have been in the same conference actually. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it is. A, it's a shame. I mean, it's one of the joys of the job, to be honest. that I have. I have to, to be able to watch has Hazard week in, week out. He is an absolutely fabulous player. Just lightning quick as well. I mean, mm. it's unbelievable the fact that he's he can be one-on-one with a defender and then suddenly he's past him in a flash and you don't even know what's happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a, a shame that, in my opinion, it feels like it's all coming to a rather somber end. And, you know, I want him to go out on a high if it is his last season at Chelsea at least win the the Europa League as well and and qualify for the Champions League would be great Mm -hmm. Um, but he's a special player and I think that you know especially when you think about the the goals that Chelsea have had to score around the strikers that you know I mean even Pedro for example scored I think what eight Premier League goals I mean that's not a bad return for a player who's sort of in and out the side yeah from the wing Uh, yeah yeah, absolutely and Hazard's had to pick up the slack from the strikers not really performing throughout the the season Um, and you know it's made his job a lot Harder, but also, you know, it, he sort of thrived with that. And, and hopefully, you know, if Chelsea are going to get a Champions League spot, then he needs to be at his best for those final three games. And then also, hopefully, three games in the Europa League as well.
0: Mm, yeah, good point, man. Um, so, let's talk about his, his very probable exit. Um, for me, it's probable because... He hasn't signed a new contract. Obviously, yeah. being the being the sort of uh, the the main issue here. But the, the fact how I, I've always echoed the sentiment of his people criticize him for his flirtation with with Real Madrid. But for me, in the modern game and social media and how in the general media and how people perceive players and you know their allegiances and if they're mercenaries and stuff. I mean, Eden Hazard's been amazing for us for seven years which is an absolutely you know it's a long tenure these days yeah Um, absolutely um, he appreciates the club he knows the club's given him everything and he's he's been very uh, vocal about that but with his you know talkings about Real Madrid the last 18 months or something for me I feel like he doesn't want to Even though people say it's disrespectful, I think he's doing exactly the opposite. I think he's saying he doesn't want to just not sign a contract and drop the mic one day and go. I feel like he slowly wants to condition the Chelsea fan base of this potential inevitability. And although it seems like a bit hurtful at the time, I feel like if he feels like this is the only way he can slowly embed it into the sort of fan base's head, so we've sort of when it you know when it does happen we're sad but it's not like a big shock that might affect his legacy would you would you agree with that
1: yeah absolutely and i also think that it's not like he's he's touting himself around for all different clubs to mm. come in and get him yep. you know he's not saying i want to leave i'm ready to go it's mm. chelsea or real madrid really mm. you know if the only thing in my eyes stopping it is is the deal between real madrid and chelsea obviously he's only got a year left on his contract um, Chelsea still want around 100 mil for him mm. which is a lot for a player who's only got a year left in his contract mm-hmm. um, it just this just all depends really on how much Brown Madrid are going to come for him mm. um, for me I think it was the fact that Zidane went back to yeah, to Madrid same. I think that's the that's the thing that's almost clinched it really yeah mm. um, Contact, you know, we're talking com- ab- Sorry, mate, go on. Go, on. go on. No, no, I was just going to say that, you know, Zidane, you know, it's no it's no secret that, that um, Hazard loves Zidane. Zidane's an admirer of Hazard. Um, you know, Zidane, um, Hazard said it's, it'll be a dream to play for Real Madrid and under Zidane as well, especially. Mm. You know, he's made that perfectly clear sort of throughout the years and it's one of those things that... If if Madrid and, and Chelsea to, can come to some sort of agreement, um, you know I'm hoping it doesn't throw Kovacic back in the mix. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, but uh, mm-hmm. you know then 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 oh, I can only see it one going one way. I'm afraid. Same. Um, you know, if if
0: you grew up loving a club and loving a player. Um, and then you go to uh, a different club in Chelsea that you, you know, you sign because they've just won the Champions League. Uh, you tweet about it. I'm signing for the Champions League winners. I want to win the Champions League. Uh, you don't. and But, you know, that's I don't want to be completely unfair on the club because the club signed, you know, all of his cousins and aunties and <laughs> you know, and gave him loads of money and made him the main man and, you know, kept him happy. And, and, he, and he, I think he appreciates all that. He didn't get his Champions League. But, you know, he... he fell in love with with Chelsea and he's you know he's got that big banner that goes over the shed I think and you know and everyone loves him and the, the he knows that he's become this star in the Premier League you know maybe he couldn't he would have reached bigger numbers if he went from Lille to Real Madrid but um you know he came to Chelsea and he's had a great 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 time here but it, he doesn't he didn't grow up dreaming of playing for Chelsea you know he um he he, he idolised Zidane, and he wanted to play in the white shirt, and they joined up, and it just seems too perfect, you know. So yeah, absolutely. I don't think any fan would, would would feel would feel bad about it. But to play devil's advocate here for a second, like, <laughs> what if? Okay, so what if we get a transfer ban, and and we. And hudson Adore is not available for the first few months of next season. Um, and, I don't know, something else shit happens in, in the Chelsea world, as it usually does. And Real Madrid won't go above 60 or 50 million because they will finish his juniors looking really good. I don't, I don't know. Some, you know, a collective <laughs> yeah. a in yeah. Chelsea go, sorry, Eden, you know, we're going to have to just run this down, you know, you're going to have to play. So he, he he runs it down to the point where he's nearly 29. He's about to turn 29 when it does actually run out. Right. So Real Madrid by then, they need this rebuild. They don't want to fuck about for another 12 months. So they go, Oh, bollocks. We'll sign just some sort of starter for the left wing. Who's a probably a bit younger than hazard. Um, and then everything changes. So he, you know, they'd probably take him on a free, but he might not be starting in front of this said hotshot who they've just signed. But we, like, he turns back at us and we're like, "Eden, we'll still give you a five-year contract at the age of twenty-nine. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> whatever money you want." And then, you know, who knows? Do
1: you think there's like a chance of that happening, or is that just me being a dreamer? I think there's a lot of ifs and buts in that one man. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. is mate. Yeah. No, nah, I mean I can look, I can see uh, the transfer ban obviously will have a big effect in what does happen because Chelsea don't want to lose their star player if they can't sign anyone for the mm. next two windows. But you know I think you know Hazard also has said that he wanted to go last season when Chelsea had no interest in selling him. He didn't kick up a fuss. Mm. He was like, "No, that's it. That's fine. I'm, you know, I'll stay." He's, as we said before, he's happy at Chelsea. It's not an issue that he's unhappy here. Mm. Um, he's he's he just it is just his dream move. And and if somebody tells you no, you can't make that move, then you are gonna then when you feel like, as you said, because all those things to do, all those things you just said could happen, mm. and that that could completely scupper any chance of his playing for his dream club. Yeah. Um, and and I can see him. I mean, I don't want to say kicking up a fuss, but, you know, I can't see him going to maybe Courtois levels. No, um, no but a few, a few I, would, though. I would see maybe toys coming out the pram a little bit more um, and a little bit more stuff behind the scenes just mm. to, to try and push that move through because, you know, I get the feeling that he's he's willing to... He he wants to he wants that move this season. I think this is his time. You know he's hitting his possibly
0: his last chance, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, for it's got to be his last big contract, right? If, mm. if whoever gives him the new deal, three, four, five years, this is the last chance for him to get a really big contract under his belt. Mm. Um, and you have to feel that for him, it's the right time to go. So, mm. you know, transfer ban. I think even if there is a transfer ban, unfortunately, I think that he's probably. Uh, He's probably on his way out. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right, mate. And yeah, and you know, Sorry best to kill the dream. Though,
0: no, man. no, no. It's fine, man. The dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a Chelsea fan. Dreams are here to be killed. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I feel like a lot of Chelsea fans were watching at Real Madrid, and you know, if he ever comes back, he'll the the banner will come out again. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all right. So so that's just on the transfer ban. Um, just before I, I sort of pose some theoreticals to you i don't suppose you have any
1: knowledge of how the sort of appeal's going or anything like that no i mean i've i've tried to i've contacted fifa a couple of times but they, they're keeping completely sturm i mean it's just a case of look I, i'm still waiting for the appeal to get to i mean it's obviously been heard waiting for the verdict to come out mm. um you know i think that the best that i, I would find it strange if the the ban just went away. If it was completely overturned, I would find that slightly strange. I think that what Chelsea are hoping for as well that if it doesn't get overturned, that they can at least un- uh, they can at least freeze the ban uh, mm. for this window, so that they can go to the um, Court of Arbitration for Sport
2: mm.
1: and then have a bit more time to do that um, and at least be able to to, to sort of. Uh, buy or sell players or buy players at least, registered players mm. this summer while that process is going ahead. Because I think that's the, that's the thing that really stung the most as well when that was denied. When you look at the clubs like Atletico and Barcelona and Real Madrid, they, why are they allowed to freeze their transfer ban while the appeals process is mm. going on? But yet, f- for some reason, Chelsea can't. When, Didn't make oh, a lot yeah, of sense.
0: When arguably Chelsea's Chelsea are still pretty you know adamant they were by the book or you know via maybe a, loop, yeah, a loophole that is still loophole, by yeah, the book,
1: I yeah. Think, yeah so, so I, I think that's the, i think that's the hope of the appeal but at the moment there's there's nothing really um going on with it yet but i think it will it should hopefully be quite soon i don't i wouldn't have thought it'd take too much longer mm. because you know obviously the transfer window does open soon as well so you know okay. you kind of need to know what you're, what you're doing
0: Alright mate, so we're going to end on the coach, but at the moment let's move over to players. So, two theoretical situations. Transfer ban is in. hudson door on the left, Pulisic on the right, who well, I'm actually, unlike a lot of Chelsea fans, I'm really looking forward to because I watched him when he was 18 and I thought he was fucking wicked. Um, I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, but if, if they're on the wings, um, you know what, if they're on the wings, it's just say... it he carries on scoring and we give him a chance Tammy Abraham up front rotating with or Morata I don't want Morata back but again I'll get your thoughts on the whole sort of potential 11 in a second um, and then if we have someone like Christensen and Ruben in the starting 11 that's four academy products in the starting 11 so that's pretty damn cool and then very unlike Chelsea and I think that might be um Good for team synergy and um, camaraderie and all that sort of luck. Um, h- how would you feel about the eleven with a transfer ban? Would it be something similar for you? And how do you feel about Pulisic and the striker and stuff?
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty much now done. I think the one the one slight issue with Pulisic, as we've seen this season, is just that he's obviously he's unfortunately got a bit of a his- an injury history, right? Especially this season, you know, he struggled to really get game time he's kind of been in and out of the side obviously with the emergence of Jaden Sancho but yeah. you know he's he's also had a I think four injuries or so this season, you know, not massive injuries, but little niggles here and there that have meant that he hasn't really got the flow and rhythm to his game. Don't Chelsea, he wants to go. isn't that a requirement for a Chelsea <laughs> yeah, purchase? Exactly, yeah, yeah, you, you have to have some sort of injury problem to get signed. Um, it was interesting actually because I was just away, I was on holiday in America, and I was actually chatting to an American guy, and he was like, I'm the only guy who likes football here, um, and I'm incredibly excited about Pulisic going to Chelsea. Nice.
2: Um,
1: it was quite, it was quite, he knew his stuff as well, he was like, and it was that was his one concern he was like you know the one the one issue he has had is just injuries this season but mm. you know he said he's an exciting player and if he gets his chance that he could really shine for Chelsea so you know I'm going on a, on this guy's uh recommendation that Pulisic is also a decent player. some geezer uh, in a pub in America I I lovely <laughs> oh uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah I mean he, he he's pretended like he knew his football so I'm yeah I'm sure he did I'm sure um he did. Uh, but yeah the upfront situation is interesting I mean you can't deny that Tammy Abrahams deserves a chance now. I mean, mm. like, he, you know, he's, he's obviously shown in the championship he can score goals for fun. He scored for Bristol City, obviously, Aston Villa as well. I mean, I think his season's a little bit over now with his shoulder injury. Um, mm. Still banged you know, a few, though, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, but the thing is, like, you know, the loan he had in the Premier League was Swansea City, and, and they had no creativity or anything. He was never going to get anywhere near the chances that he would get. At Chelsea, if he was if he was given the opportunity to actually play, mm. um, you know the strike situation is interesting with Giroud as well. Um, you know, there, him and Sari seem to be at some sort of loggerheads about actually how much game time they've been getting. Mm. Um, you know, I sort of asked Sari about this um, after the Giroud press conference where he said, you know, I I need to be playing more.
2: Mm. And I
1: asked Sari about it and said, and he was like, well, we this was this was after the Prague game. He was like, this was his thirty ninth game of the season, thirty ninth, and it was like, well. Yeah, but he's played more minutes in the Europa League than he has in the Premier League. So even though it's his 39th game, that doesn't really count for too much when you're giving him five, ten minutes here or there. Yeah, he's Um, a top scorer in the Europa League.
0: Wouldn't you want to bring a bit of that to your struggling league form?
1: Yeah, you'd think so. But, you know, he's obviously fancies Higuain. But, no, I mean, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see how Giroud, um, if he does stick around, um, Higuain again as well. Um, but, you know, Batshuayi as well. I mean, what do you do with a, a man like Batshuayi? <laughs> yeah. Do you throw him in? You know, he's, this is now... You know, it's not just Conte. It's not just Sari, who didn't really fancy him at the time. It's also Valencia, who didn't work out as well. Mm. Um, he was, but he was back on the bench um, against Palace, uh, against Arsenal at the weekend. Ben- Palace, when so. Benteke
0: benches you and start scoring, you know you're fucked. Exactly. You know, you know
1: you're <laughs> in a world of trouble. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that does go. But I think that Pulisic and, and Hudson-Door, there's a lot to be excited about that. Yeah. Um. If they can stay fit. Yeah. Yeah. Good points, man. Yeah.
0: I and with with Tammy, you feel like he'll be absolutely be playing to the full potential for the shirt. Whereas someone like Morata was just flopping about. That's one one thing I like about Iguain. He didn't flop about and argue with the refs and argue with the centre backs like Morata did. Um, I I just don't want Morata back. I think we can make a few quid. You know, we make our money back on him maybe.
1: Yeah, um, I think that I think that that's I think you can see that the, the way he's playing at Athletic Madrid, he's actually enjoying his football again, mm. and and I've never I've never actually seen a player quite like him where when his confidence is up. You know, they remember that start he had at Chelsea, when oh. his confidence was up. He scored that hat-trick against Stoke and when he, he came on at like that Burnley game. He, yeah, when he yeah, on that, yeah, absolutely. when he
0: picked up, he scored that header. He was like, "Fuck this, we're not losing." Picked up the yeah. ball, ran from the net, and he's like, "I'm, I've just touched down in Chelsea, bitches." Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then,
1: and then, and you know, and his confidence is high and high and high. And he's gone back to Madrid, mm. um, and he's shown that confidence again. And he can, he shows what he can do when he's confident. But mm. I've never seen a player quite so. You know when his confidence is down, just how fragile he can be on the pitch, and not it's frustrating to watch. Yeah. It's just not it, it's not what fans are used to, especially when you've got strikers like Drogba and and and, um, yeah, Drogba and Costa yeah. back in the days. So you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm pretty happy to see uh, the money go uh, from Madrid to uh, to Chelsea to get him out of the out of the club yeah. for good. Really, to be yeah. honest, sad really. But with uh, with Schuai,
0: um I think. Good. He's a good finisher, a really good finisher, I think. Do you know what I've heard? Um, you're probably closer closer to a better rear to the club than I, but you're know, just from talking to people. Um, that he's apparently not too sharp between the ears, Betsuai, and like in training, you know, that's what's going to frustrate an Italian coach. If you're not retaining all this meticulous instruction, then um, yeah, no matter how good you are kicking the ball in the box, if you're not going to be. Linking up and have the team synergy of how they want you to take instruction, then, then maybe you're not the man for them. How, how do you feel about why man? We, we, if you had okay, so what would you? How do you feel about Michi, And what would you do about who would be your first with a transfer ban? Who's your first striker next season? And who are you keeping? Or do you have two or three? Uh, what's what's happening?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard a similar thing about Michi as well. Actually, about that training, just the training side of things, and mm. not taking on board the tactic. I mean, managers these days, they don't just... A lot of the time, they just don't want to finish, just a finisher. They need somebody who does everything around it. Yeah. And that's why a player like Aguero is just so, you know, he's priceless because he can do it all. Mm. He, he can be, you know, he can work. He's good tactically and he can also finish. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I like Nici. I, I feel I feel like he's not been given his fair shot um, at Chelsea, really. I think, you know, he's he's obviously... Yeah, he's shown that he can score goals. He can show. He's shown that he can finish. But um, I think, for me, too soft. I, I, no, I don't. No, I, I don't mean. So I
0: don't. Sorry, no, I don't. I, I don't mean that in like diving and flopping in the Murata sense. I mean, is he not?
1: Like, Mentally was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I
0: mean, it just it, it, has he got a touch of the Drogba's or Costas about him in the sense of he? Because he's just fucking SpongeBob, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no slight on him. It's great being a happy-go-lucky. I love life. Yeah, I love yeah, football, yeah. footballer.
1: But is that what Chelsea need? He wouldn't scare you, would he? He wouldn't. No. If you are if you are a centre back, he wouldn't think, okay, I'm up against Mitch Beshwai, this is going to be the worst day exactly, of my life. Whereas exactly. if he came up against Drogba or he came up against Costa. You, thought, you don't oh. sleep. Yeah, you don't sleep. The night and also, before. I think that's what that's I think that's what Chelsea fans have seen in Giroud in times as well because he has got that thing about him. He, he does put himself about. He's a difficult striker to play yeah. against. Uh, you know, Premier League. Yeah, he's not League. necessarily going yeah, yeah. to bag in a load of goals, but you know that he will get the best out of others as well and it makes it difficult. I mean, I think for me, I'd love. To, I mean, I'd love to see Tammy Abraham get a go because I think that he's shown. You know, he's done what he's asked for of him in in his loan deals. Um, you know. He didn't get a great chance at, at Swansea. Really, sink, do, shit, the, though. yeah, they they weren't a very good team to put it flatly, and they they were never gonna you know, shine. I mean, even Renato Sanchez as well, just looked like one of the worst, one of the worst players I've ever <laughs> that seen. Makes that makes me Swansea laugh
0: we, we passed to that advertising board. Do you remember that? Oh,
1: that was brilliant. When Classic. He passed, yeah, the, it was at the Carabao, the Carabao uh, advertising. That board. really that summed was, up his turn. That was timers. one of the most bizarre moments I've seen on the yeah. pitch. Nearly as um, bizarre yeah. as
0: him going to Swansea in the first place. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, so I'd, I'd love to see Tammy get a go, but, um, you know, <sighs> It's difficult because you don't want the pressure all to be on him. I'd love to see like a combination, maybe, of Tammy and Giroud.
2: Okay.
1: Um, sort of that excitement of, of Tammy and also the experienced head of Giroud mm. um, to come in when maybe the bigger games and, you know, some of the games where Tammy might be getting roughed up a little bit more Giroud's there and, yeah. and to, to help him out. So maybe that combination for me is the one to, is the way to go for next season. I'd agree with
0: that. Uh, and before we move into and finish on sorry and plugs and stuff, if the ban is postponed or lifted, um, I want to ask you two or three players or positions. I mean, the, the one that I'd pose to you would be, um, Maybe Nicola Pepe, the the yeah. the, 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 the Lille-Winger cycle, continue purely because of the numbers and, and what he's come out and said about Chelsea, how it's a dream to play for Chelsea. I mean, that one looks like... I mean, uh, you know, I think other players have, have said something similar before. I don't know if Leon Bailey said it or something, but certainly he looks like a very prime candidate maybe to pick up the numbers and creativity from the left wing. Um, would you agree with that? Would you just make another suggestion for that position? Is Is like Fakir... Off, not off the sort of list now, and what else do you think about maybe another couple of positions
1: on the pitch? Yeah, I think the, I think that the Pepe is one that's come out. I thought you know it's always the French league is always a really difficult one to judge. I think you can get some absolute class. I mean, look at Kante, for example, absolutely class play coming out of the French league, but it's not, you know, it's not the toughest league in the world. And so whether these players, especially wingers, tricky wingers Mm. are up to it as well. They need more time to adapt, but I do like the look of pepper. I think it's very good. I'm actually really interested to see Luka Jovic over the next couple of games. I'm really excited to see him. Yeah. Center forward scored 17 goals in the Bundesliga, another eight in the Europa League. Um, You know, and that's what worries me about Chelsea playing Frankfurt. You know, for the first time in the Europa League, they're coming up against a team who have got a proper striker on their hands Mm. uh, that can really cause damage. And Mm. they haven't really had that this year against any of the teams particularly. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be exciting to see him. I'm really interested to see because, you know, the striker situation is a difficult one. It's one they need to sort. uh, And if they don't, if they don't have if they don't have the transfer ban for this summer then then that'd be a good way to go um mm. you know right back right back is an issue for me, but I do think Rhys James is good enough to come in and and to do a job there rather than looking elsewhere mm. Um, you know, the centre back positions as well. Yeah, maybe. Do you trust yeah, yeah. Kurt Zuma to come back in? I'm not sure. You know, I'd love them to go out and get like a Delict. I mean, that'd be absolutely brilliant, yeah. but I'm not sure that would happen, especially if they don't get into the Champions De Ligt League. Delict and so, Rudiger or Delict uh, and Christensen together? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Rudiger, I have to say, at times. I think that sometimes his positioning goes goes a bit skewiff but I think the passion he plays with and the way he throws himself about as well is something you can't lose Mm. um should have have a
0: couple more goals in there because he can do it we've seen him do it
1: absolutely Um, yeah yeah yeah. he he should be more of a threat from step pieces no doubt about it Mm. um so yeah those are the positions for me and then maybe you know this Jorginho role with Sarri still in charge you know, finding a proper backup for Jorginho yeah. or somebody to play that role, but I can i couldn't give you a name particularly off the top of my head for that mm. because it's a difficult position to, to know what Sari wants. Yeah, it's a really odd role to, for what Sari really wants, and you know, and Georgino is perfect. That's the thing. Like, Georgino is um, such a valuable
0: player. I, I, I've said this in the pod a couple of episodes ago, so the listener will have to forgive me, but Jorginho um, isn't as good at passing as Cesc Fabregas. He can't do as good as those long passes. He can't see the, the, the runs prior to them happening, the psychic Cesc Fabregas ability. He can't defend like Kante or Fernandinho. But what he does, he's maybe the best at the world at. And that's just not just directing, but as soon as the balls hit his boot, he knows where he's releasing it to. And he's just like, he's press resistant in the sense of it's out before you know it's even in if that makes sense and he mm. just, he just no he doesn't he just know as long as everything's functioning he's your boy he's the metronomic you know cog and probably the best in the world at that particular role and you know Guardiola saw value in that uh, to be a long-term successor for Fernandinho who's best part of 10 years older than him um mm. granted he's not got the defensive side of Fernandinho or or the sort of shithousery but he could still see value in in playing him in a system where he needs someone of that ability so I mean we're about to talk about Sarri but regardless what happens would you want Jorginho to stay in well obviously he's going to stay in the starting 11 but if Sarri went would you want Jorginho to stay in our starting 11
1: yeah I mean look it's an interesting one I think that the, the, the problem for me with Jorginho at times is that defensive side of the game I mm. think that the problem is when you've taken Kante out of that slightly deeper role I mean for me Kante it was called a defensive midfielder he's not really he's the box to box, the box. The box he, yeah. he's he's a, he's a superb he's got so much ability on the ball as well and energy going going each way but you do miss something of him being not. Tucked in slightly more central, um, mm. and so Jorginho needs to pick up that slack a little bit more. Mm. And, I, and for me, he gets beaten just a little bit too easily. And I think there are times where Chelsea have been exploited way too easily when the the midfield just seemed to be completely bypassed, mm. um, which is which is one concern. I mean. It's interesting because Sarri said that Jorginho can't play in a two-man central midfield, mm. and th- and I can't get my head around it really. I can't understand quite why that's the case. Mm. Um, oh, he just and... doesn't
0: want to. He doesn't want to risk doing it when he's so drilled in his. Well, other... yeah,
1: he just said, said, said he just can't do it. I mean, it's weird. It's like he said that drink, Danny Drinkwater can't play in a in three-man. Three, yeah. yeah, it's just you know he has these opinions on players, and he's and this is the other stubborn side of Sarri is mm. he sees his opinion and that's what he believes and that's what he's going to stick with, which mm. is fine. You know, that's the way he works. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, if Jorginho was to play uh, next season under a different manager, it would be very interesting to see what role he was given. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and maybe more of, you know, maybe a four, sort of four, five one mm. would work more, would work better, you know, yeah. with with maybe a slightly more defensive outlook as well with Kante maybe tucked slightly more inside rather than sort of out on the right wing a bit more so interesting
0: It is really interesting and you're right about Kante, Kante is so much more than someone that just sits in but you're right it's such fine margins isn't it because Kante's best work defensively of the last few years has been in a two so he's not been sitting in a pivot or a playmaking or a a, a deep role where he's required to constantly pass because he'd be wasted doing that but um, his best work has come in in a two, like you say, whether it was Leicester or Leicester in a four four two or Chelsea in a three four three or you know I know sometimes yeah. he plays deeper in France, but it's still not the same, they don't play the same way Sari does. So it is that very fine margin of tucking in ever so slightly, but still, you know, the, remember the Kante twins meme, you know, he wasn't yeah. he wasn't just sitting in, he was all over the gaff. So um yeah. it's systemic, but I think he's done very well. I think he's been one of when he came off actually uh for on the Burnley game I think we lost something offensively and that is um yeah that is testament to him being on the pitch doesn't help us defensively in not conceding those goals but but him yeah. not being on the pitch May might have screwed us in the second half from scoring a winner. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I think, I, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the argument as well. Then, then maybe Barkley should have come on instead of Kovacic because. Yes. But I think, for certain in Sari's mind, he he was thinking the balance of stuff, and he wanted a more defensive-minded player mm. in that role. Uh, but I agree. I, I think that you know he adds an extra energy, extra bit of energy and pace. Mm. Someone, someone like Kovacic just doesn't have, mm. um, and he actually did. It did actually. It was it's weird to think of Kante mm. <laughs> Sort of, uh, sort of being damaged effectively uh, going forward if he's not on the pitch. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. It's,
0: it's, it's, uh, it's a strange one. It is a strange one. So it's time to know your colours to the master. Oli. You've been very measured and diplomatic of how you've been talking about Chelsea and the approach. But I'm going to ask your personal opinion here on the coach. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> okay, so I've... I uh, loved the appointment of Sorry. I thought it was refreshing, he had an interesting story in terms of his footballing history, I thought, you know, the, the, the sort of monologues he was coming out of at early doors about the play and nurturing the inner child of football, and I think actually all of that might have been a canny uh, appointment from the club to actually ma- ma- maybe try and keep Hazard, incidentally Hazard has, has had his best season, but I feel like they maybe thought of that in mind, knowing that he's already asked to go, and they've got a really attacking coach in who made his one of his best mates, Dries Mertens, into an absolute machine. Who's you know a similar mm. star, a bit of a B Tech Hazard, Dries Mertens, but t- turns <laughs> out he's more of a he's more of an, he's more of a box player anyway than Hazard. But, um, but but anyway, what I'm alluding to is I was excited by. I liked what you're saying. Um, I wanted the uh, expansive open football. It started, you know, 18 games unbeaten in all comps, whatever, scoring loads of goals. Got found out slightly. People sat on Jorginho. Things went to shit. Really bad in terms of how the fans reacted. But then he changed the lineup to exactly what the fans wanted. Brought the kids in. We won a few games. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> how
1: do you feel about it, Ollie? How do you personally feel about it? And how do you think it will go? I mean I I don't I, I'm not a fan of, of a manager's getting sacked just in a first season because I think it's so hard to judge, especially in this season as well, when you've had um you know, the Europa League is a difficult one to 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 get round because, you know, you're playing very very regularly, more regularly than the Champions League as well with those couple of extra games. Mm, you know, obviously it real. wasn't yeah. It wasn't it wasn't great preparation as well. Obviously you had the World Cup, you had um, you know, the trip to Australia and all around the place and he didn't have his best players to really prepare Con- things. Conte was still uh, there early doors. Yeah, it was all a bit, it was all a bit random. I mean, I uh, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I'd like, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to see him get another, another season mm. um, or at least the start of one. At least see what happens over the summer as yeah, well, because yeah. I don't think you can, I don't think you can, it'd be hard to judge a manager on this basis of this season when it comes to to the way he's been backed as well. I don't Mm. think that there's been a great, you know, a lot of the times the transfers have now just been, have been sort of like for like, you know, players have have come in under Conte when there's no real sort of vision of, of the long-term of it as well. Um, I think that's one of the issues when you don't have a technical director at the helm. Yes. And I just, I just think, but I understand the frustration from fans as well. I do think that there's a culture at Chelsea now, where especially obviously in the Abramovich area, where you they're just expecting to win things. Mm. You know, you you as a Chelsea fan, you're expected to every season to be challenging all the time. Mm. And you know, you could say obviously they're nowhere near in the Premier League. They they're disappointing in the FA Cup, but they came close in the Carabao Cup and have got a good chance in the Europa League. So, yeah. so- I just think uh, you know. My one worry, sorry, is just that it's, this, it's this split between fans, and there seems to be more of a split now than there's probably been since Benitez. Benitez, um, when it comes fans, mm. and it's you know there's there's no it's real one way or the other. They either hate him or or they're fully behind him, um, mm. and you don't want to get to a point where this comes to a head. But I'd like to see him get a bit more of a chance. I'd like to yeah. see him see what happens in the summer. Yeah. Um, and and hope that maybe that the things come good in, in the next couple of years because you, you know you can't just you know this boom and bust cycle of, mm. of sacking sacking managers is gonna it's, it's gonna it, it's not come to model, a head at yeah, some point yeah it's not a working
0: <laughs> model anymore. Um, a few things of what you said there, Ollie. So I'm too. I am on the fence as well. Like I would feel if sorry gets sacked or sorry's here next season, I would feel equally. Uh, lacking in confidence (laughs) (laughs) because of how everything's going at the moment Um, I feel like it could work with Sari in terms of results if maybe a different person an extra figure you know how I know Solskjaer is a bad example at the moment because of how things are going for him but he's got both He's got a Carrick and he's got more than a feeling next to him. So he's got the dream dream team. So maybe we did have a JT and Zola and a new defender and a new striker, a full preseason, And do you know what I mean? Something like that. And then you could see, yeah, this football does work with scoring these nice goals and the kids are playing and um, not not conceding set-piece goals. But you're right. I feel like the main issue as it stands it's how the fans are divided and i think it is the old school pragmatic chelsea fans that loved how we sort of like ruined the party and you know we we just won at all costs versus the people who are looking at the league and 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 how football is at the moment and saying this is what works look at city liverpool and tottenham and bigger teams in europe and you know what sorry this is his school of thought and it's not just you know, the Italians who put Cerismo in the dictionary. It's, you know, Pep Guardiola, it's Riga Sacchi all saying he's amazing, you know. and, yeah. um, and
1: I, I think for me as well, the, the transfer ban's a big issue over yeah. it. I mean, is is Sarri the right guy to lead the team next season if he's not able to bring in any new players, mm. if he's got a very similar squad, maybe with, you know, some of the lone players obviously coming back into the fold as well? Mm. Is he the right man to lead that team? And for me... For me, I'm struggling to see that right now. But if he was given the chance to, if he was given the chance for one window to just develop a team in a bit more the style that he wants with Mm. some more players, with some new players, then maybe, you know, he should get the opportunity to do that, especially if they do get Champions League football under him and, you know, go and win the
0: Europa League. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's on a two year contract with the option of a third year. Yeah, that's generally the way they, they do it. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, if you gave him the beginning of the next season, he's on much lower wages than Conte and Jose anyway. They, they, the payoff would be very little if they, you know, had a crack, see how it was going. But I'm um, uh, asking you this so in, in terms of the fans, say. Okay. Say he wore a suit. This is free trivial. they <laughs> want to say free trivial things here. Say he didn't. Uh, suck on fag filters, he like had like a little like vape white thing or something that, you know, released nicotine or something, you know, because I know it sounds so trivial and silly and I don't give a shit, but some people do. So he wore like a suit or a shirt and a blazer you know, something a bit more t- less fag-endy um, and just say after Goodwin, like when we beat Brighton 5-0 or when we beat Man City at home, if he just did a lap of the pitch clapping the fans. yeah, Don't you think something yeah, yeah. so I, simple like that would have conditioned such a better position
1: right now? I, I completely agree. I don't think he's ever quite got that connection with the fans. Mm. And I think that, that that goes a long, long way, obviously, when the hard times come. It's, mm. like, it's like, you remember, you know, Conte's first game. Oh, mate, uh, it was crowd surfing. With, yeah, with West Ham. And they've got the winner and he's jumped into the crowd. Mm. I'm not saying Sari has to do that because he's a bit older than Conte as well so <laughs> he'll probably do his back in or something like that yeah. but you know it is that connection with the fans it's the fact that you know after that defeat to Bournemouth after the defeat to City it's straight down the tunnel mm. it's not even going over to the fans or to anything like that yeah. yeah and it's even you know even after wins going over to the fans and clapping them and clapping and away that, fans at wins would be great yeah, yeah football, it's just, it, it is little things like that isn't it it is little things that, that really you know that really They make fans stick with you that little bit longer. Mm. Um, And he's never quite got that connection with the fans right now, which is why, you know, they're happy to turn on him quite quickly. And, Mm. and, you know, how many times we heard chants of Maurizio around Stamford Bridge, I can only think of a couple of games. Yeah. Um, early in the season, where that happened, and since then it's just disappeared. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it is. I mean, okay, you know, the, pe- the <laughs> thing. Is, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the appearance thing is one thing, but yeah, I, I mean, it's the it's the acknowledgement of fans. There's no point saying it in the press conference. There's no point saying I'm sorry to the fans in the press conference because a lot of the times fans won't hear it or read it or yeah whatever it's yeah. about that moment on the pitch it's and when they're emotionally charged in the in stadium yeah exactly so exactly. emotionally yeah. charged yeah, fans in,
0: in the terraces and also people watching on tv there'll be a camera on sorry like apologizing to the away fans even if he's getting shit like, i mean
1: you, you only have to look at frank lampard as well like at the weekend yeah there's that video of, of the derby put up themselves of him just like in front of them and he's only been there you know, the same time as sorry's been at Chelsea, and yet mm. he's got, already built this connection
2: mm. through
1: the through the fact he's he's playing younger players generally, mm. and the way they've played at times. Um, mm. I know they've had some tough matches, but also that connection he's had with them, and the celebrating, and and just the you know the enjoying the moments with the fans as well, and knowing and making it clear that it's about the fans as much as it is himself mm. and that's that's a big difference i don't think sari's quite got with chelsea this
0: year <laughs> yeah it's frustrating because it's stuff that he's not obligated to do you know he, he can he can respect the club and respect his work and want to do it on the chelsea platform and that should be enough but often isn't but you're right so it's fine margins with that um uh, j- just before we uh we talk about um London and where people can find you ollie uh two questions for you mate <laughs> and, and and I want to apologise for asking this question before I do will Chelsea make the top four
1: and will we win the Europa League oh god um, I think top four uh, I'm going to have to go it's down go to the with... United game I yeah I was going to say can you not just ask me after the United <laughs> yeah, um, no. I, I personally think no I don't I think that if they beaten Burnley yesterday I think that yes mm. they, they would have been right in the driving seat Dredgy, um, it? I think Europa League Arsenal Arsenal have got a hex on us these last three years yeah they do and I think I think that Frankfurt are very very dangerous I'd be worried about Frankfurt but I think that Chelsea should have enough to come through over two legs
2: Mm. Um,
1: and then to be honest, it's a one-off game, and and it just depends on what Chelsea team turn up. We just don't know, do we? At times, mm. uh, even whoever they face, Valencia or or Arsenal. You know, if it could be, it could go either way. I mean, but it's the same with Arsenal. You don't know what team they're going to turn up with That's either. Very true. Just, you can't call it. So I'm going to go with no for the top four, but yes for the Europa League
0: that my do. prediction well brilliant ok so ladies and gents thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this conversation with me and Ollie, and it has been a great episode mate um, where can the listener uh, see your work and
1: do you want to plug your twitter handle as well mate yeah sure uh, obviously football.london is the account and uh, you know if you do have any Arsenal West Ham Spurs listeners to your Chelsea podcast <laughs> I don't know if you will do uh, but you can find all the clubs on there as well we we'll cover everything on there uh, yeah. well, find... well
0: the, the Chelsea listeners can tell their London <laughs> yeah, they, club mates they can,
2: about, yeah yeah exactly yeah,
1: exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. um and you find me on Twitter it's at OJ Harboard which is H A R B O R D um usually post all my stuff on there that I put up on the website and obviously all the match day stuff and I'll be at the United game on Sunday I'm in Frankfurt uh, next week as well which I'm looking forward to um and hopefully being back if Chelsea get there as well so Lovely you know it, yeah sounds. do, do Come join us over at football. London and uh, keep up with everything. Yeah, go go and follow me. Yeah, like I said, I'm sure this podcast
0: episode will definitely be enough for, for people to be hooked on Ollie Hart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, fa- thank you so much for joining me today, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate. Really appreciate it. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Chelsea fandom gang, for tuning into Yannick on Chelsea once again. Thank you so much to Ollie for joining me on uh, this episode. It was really interesting. Go follow Ollie on football.london on his Twitter and uh, check out all his Chelsea-related endeavours. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Um, up the Chelsea. Keep the blue flag flying high. Carefree wherever you, yes, you may be. I'll see you later.